Because even in our punk rock film about taking down authoritarianism, we've had exactly one female-led band this entire movie. Why does punk have a problem with women? I'm Sarah. I'm Robert. And this is Pump Up the Minute. Today we're talking about minutes 89 to 92 of Pump Up the Volume, which begins with Nora driving off, Mark in the passenger seat, as he turns on his theme music, but in this case, it's the Concrete Blonde cover of Everybody Knows. And you couldn't tell it by this film, but women have been a part of punk from the beginning. As Alice Begg writes in her article, Why Does Punk Have a Problem with Women? Why? As musicians, promoters, venue heads, artists, provocateurs, community organizers, documenting their local scenes and zines, films, books, and photographs, punk started out as an inclusive and diverse movement, but was quickly annexed by white dudes. Women have had to fight for space and recognition in punk ever since. Warp Tour founder Kevin Lyman recently challenged this lack of female artists on the Warp Tour's festival lineup. He blamed the women, saying there just aren't enough female bands out there to book. And Alice Bagg responds, maybe there really are fewer women now making punk music, but if that's the case, it's because they've seen so few examples of female visitors visibility at festivals like Warped, that it doesn't occur to them that being in a band is an option. Maybe it's because men are more likely to have the time, confidence, and disposable income necessary to make a band happen. Maybe it's because men don't have to face constant objectification in the pages of guitar magazines or the archetypal patronizing music shop dudes or the steady line of snarky stage techies. Maybe it's because women on the road face a set of obstacles that men in bands will never have to consider sexual harassment, gendered violence, isolation, rape. Maybe it's because the men who enjoy the freedom of the road aren't worn down by the exhausting, pervasive sexism of promoters, venue managers, and should they garner the gaze of the music press, a media that is still, by and large, made by, for, and about men. My note, just like this film. Maybe it's because the women who challenge the male hegemony and punk tend to get left out of the history books prompting filmmakers like Odin to retell the story. So we get Concrete Blonde and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if it adds to that problem or takes away, but at least in the moment, it feels like Concrete Blonde just plays magically. <laughs> because uh, we don't see yet what Mark, how Mark is playing music, and it just kind of comes on as soon as they're driving. <laughs> and he turns it off pretty quickly, too. But before we get to that, uh, yeah, they, they pull out of an alleyway, which is the... Um, Service road, I'm pretty sure, at Bouquet Creek and Century and Way, which means Nora lives literally across the street from the school. So Should I'd... explain why she cuts all the time. <laughs> yeah, she lives <laughs> probably at Centurion and Caraway. And then we cut to the reaction in the field as the show is turned on. Eric and Doug are in the back of a pickup, still playing with the teddy bear. I'm not sure why. Joey's off in the distance. We get a shot of Eric and Doug, a shot of Maz, and there's horns start honking. Shot of Cheryl. A shot of Donald giving a thumbs up as a photographer takes his picture and he says, Harry's on. And then we cut to Watts as one of the FCC vans pulls out. He says, see you later. And then to the next one, he says, let's go. Then he walks over to the open door, driver's door of his limo, because I assume that's how he's listening to the radio, because there's a driver in there. And he turns to the reporter and says, you know, personally, I'd hope that we'd get to hear him a little bit before they nab him. 
It will be interesting to see how hard he is then. <sighs> and I will just sigh at the... More toxic masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> how hard he is, is, yeah. And then we get an insert of Mark putting a cassette into the Jeep's player. So, you know, that was solved quickly. He is actually playing music. In the script, it says the hard hairy theme is not wild enough for tonight. Mark replaces it with was not was. A frantic, insane rendition of Hello Dad, I'm in Jail. So Mark turns off Concrete Blonde's cover. Yeah. So even the one woman artist who's singing... We, we did hear it twice. We yeah. heard a little bit of it earlier as well, but yeah, it goes away quickly both times. And if I can continue the rant for a moment, in this film, <laughs> Mark doesn't even realize that he needs Nora until most of the very end of the film here, even though she's been a brilliant, passionate artist the whole time. Um, no wonder she cuts classes all the time. Even Emerson favors the boy students, quickly noticing Mark's talent, but seems like... Yeah, no. the, the movie does not make it clear. I believe in the script it is mentioned, Nora already writes for the Clarion, like the school papers. So she has been noticed before, but yeah, the movie does not show us that. And so this song, Downham in Jail, is more pop than punk. The band Was Not Was's most popular song was 1987's Walk the Dinosaur, which hit number seven on the Billboard charts. Um, Datum in Jail is, or was released in 1988. It's a really brief, just 90 second punk type song. It has an awesome animated video. Huh. Don't know if you've seen it. It's pretty cool. It's just a, got this cool jazzy background and passionate vocals. Kind of a funny novelty song. It's perfect for this moment of the film. And we kind of get all of it, I think, because it's so short. It's so short, yeah. yeah. And we see Mark dancing in the Jeep, Nora dancing along with it. We get an aerial shot of the Jeep going through a neighborhood under construction. We'll get back to that neighborhood in a bit, uh, uh, many times. We get an aerial shot of the field where there are still two FCC vans there, even though two have already left. There should only be one. All the kids are dancing. A couple of the extras on the left are looking right up at the camera. Bad extras. And now Maz is dancing on the roof. We heard last segment that in the script, he was supposed to be up on the roof threatening to jump off if Mar- if uh, Harry didn't go on the air. We see Janie and Jamie dancing, and that Big Tooth extra is also near them again. You're yeah, so Maz mean to the Big Tooth guy. I never I even noticed. I just needed a way to identify him. I, I don't know. Just I could have called him the dead-eye stared <laughs> goober looking guy, but that seemed rude. Oh, <laughs> and then we see the Jeep coming, coming off of Kevin Place, which is a one block dead end, so they didn't come from anywhere. Onto Grove Park Drive in Santa Clarita, that's right next to Saugus, for those of you listeners not from around here. So they are about three blocks from the high school at this point. And that's when Mark, we get a shot of Mark, as he says, hello, Jad, we're going to jail. And the camera pans over to Nora, she says, say hi to mom. And we get a shot of the Jeep speeding by. This is the same block they were just driving on. And then we get a shot of Mark and Nora as he starts talking. Now, before we get to him talking in the movie, I thought his beginning of the speech in the musical was pretty interesting because he says, As you know, I am a wanted man, a criminal. What did I do, you ask? Well, they'd love to nail me for corrupting our youth or inciting rebellion. Hell, they'd even love to blame me for a searing tragedy in our midst. But what do they want me for? I stole a little air. See, in America, air isn't free. Corporations and government got there first. And finders keepers, of course, they say they took it for us, so we'd, thankfully, know which brand of cereal to buy or which kind of toothpaste will leave our breath minty fresh. But what if someone like me comes along to breathe a little life into air no one's using? Then screw free speech, because someone might need that air later to sell soap. 
Yes, we stole a little air, friends, but the joke's on us. The air was already dead when we got there. They killed it. In this movie, he just begins by saying, Hi, folks, it seems we have a new listener tonight. Mr. Watts of the FCC. And we cut to Watts standing by the limo still. As Mark continues, My favorite person and yours, um, too, I know. Hi, Arthur, thanks for coming out. And we Watts, we get a close-up on Watts as he says, Well, thank you for coming out. And Mark continues, Imagine a fucking political hack being in charge of free speech in America. And that made me laugh, because we don't have to imagine. We've been living it for the past four years. <laughs> yes, Watts so reminds me retroactively of Trump. Um, and he, uh, Watts doesn't like this. He takes his glasses off dramatically. As Mark says, I'll bet Watts was the guy who took names at high school when the teacher was absent. Yeah, and that wouldn't have been Trump. He would have just been the one smacking them or like... Oh. Yeah, yeah. Unless it got him something. Then he would Yeah, then he totally would have. And Watt says, this is the problem with free speech. Uh, to the camera crew there, he says, would you cut that thing, please? And Mark says, he's the kind of phony in politics who wears a wig. Also uh, like Trump. Uh-huh. And Watts closes the driver's door and walks to the back seat. And as he says to the camera crew again, would you just turn the damn thing off? Christ. And then we get the Jeep uh, on Grove Park Drive again, passing Kevin Place. Then we get the exact same location, just a slightly different angle, as the two FCC trucks try to turn around. So they missed them by le- literally less than a second, which is impossible. And then the Jeep again, and I'm pretty sure the hydrant on the right is the same fire hydrant that was just on the left. They basically they just keep driving back and forth on the same street for the shooting, which is silly. And then we get a shot of the Jeep and the FCC trucks, and it's, there's that same hydrant again. And then we get to go back to Watts. He's in his limo. He's on a car phone. Says, he's obviously moving, just pull everything over on wheels. And Mark starts up talking again. In the script, he has a little more to say. He says, people say my ideas are dangerous. Well, that's bullshit, because there's no such thing as a dangerous idea. There are only stupid and smart ideas. For example, let's say I suggest that every third American girl be branded and sold for a dollar to the Russians. Is that a dangerous idea? Would there be censorship of my right to suggest it? No, because it's a stupid idea that'll never fly. Like when I suggest suicide is thinkable, suddenly I'm not allowed to say that. Suddenly I'm out of control. Suddenly I'm irresponsible and dangerous. Well, I say they're dangerous. Welcome to Radio Free America, and this is where the movie cuts in. America's ready. I'm ready. I want a million voices crying out in the wilderness. Jesus, let's get serious. So, first off, I don't think I agree with that, because stupid ideas can be quite dangerous. And again, we've seen this quite a bit in the past four years Uh with, yeah, just waving at everything. Mark's fully embracing his large audience, I feel like, for the first time here. Mm -hmm. And this movie is doing a nice job of foretelling the rise of populism in America. (laughs) And it also made me think about, with all of these people now in a field and this populism that's growing and stupid and dangerous ideas, Trump's rally last night in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, where 3,000 supporters got stranded without buses to take them back. <laughs> the three-mile walk in below-freezing temperatures, and three miles might not seem like a lot, but when a lot of your audience is over the age of 70 and not particularly mobile, it's quite a long distance, especially in the cold. Seven people were hospitalized, and on social media, the quick Search that I did, basically his supporters are just finding ways to blame everybody else except for him because that's what cults do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I disagree with Mark too. <laughs> I was thinking about it. There are dangerous ideas, like fake news. Yeah. 
Because as soon as you put that idea out there and it gets in people's heads, it means they don't listen to any media except for stuff that tells them exactly what they want to hear, which means they don't listen when they're told to wear masks. They don't listen when they're told to social distance or not go out to bars. Yeah. Words, or go to rallies. Words and ideas have very real consequences. Yeah. They don't just exist in now, vacuums. You could no say there's a distinction between the idea and the words being put out there, but Mark did put out ideas exactly. about Exactly. He's clearly so. talking about his words. Yeah. But we, this is when we get, uh, some of this is out of sequence with how it is in the script because we get people surrounding the limo right now when they don't actually surround the limo until uh, like a minute or two from now. But we get Janie up by Watt's window really close. We get a reverse angle as another girl and then a black guy, which I think might be Matt, who we've seen a few times, goes up to the window. And then we're looking from inside the window again as some nerdy white kid takes his place. Oh, I'm being rude again. Then uh, I'm, okay. This was amazing to me. I'm pretty sure the two that come up in Letterman jackets are Doug and Gordon. They are two different people. Huh. I'm just, yeah. the, the white kids in the Letterman jackets just all look alike look the to same me. to you. And behind them is Eric, who has been hanging out both with Doug and Gordon. Or, and or Gordon. But they, they divided into two people now. I'm so happy. And then we get Watts inside as some random person says, hey shithead. And then Watts has his window rolled up, or he's rolling it up, and he's on his phone again. Takes his glasses off. You know, this is serious. Says, hello, hello, anyone. This is Arthur Watts. I'm under siege. And then we see the Jeep drive you on the same block again. And Mark comes on again and says, maybe our Mr. Watts can shed some light on the mysterious disappearance of some of our students. Luis Chavez, age 15, legally kicked out on September 26th. Arthur Washington, age 16, expelled on September 27th. Uh, he continues his list with Hector Garcia, which the script says is age 14, transferred to special ed on October 1st. And in the script, he lists, starts listing off last names. Garcia, Garvey, Gomez, Hansen, Kunstler, Lamont, Larrabee, Lopez, McDonald, Mazzilli, which that's Maz. But in the movie, we can barely hear what he's saying because we cut to Emerson walking up to Murdoch, Deaver, Brian, and Crestwood. And in the musical, right before this happens, we get a nice little bit from Harry about Crestwood. He says, my name is Happy Harry Hardon, and this is my final broadcast. Get comfortable, kids. Because I have a little story to tell about a shy kid in a small town lost in the desert. God, it's so easy to feel lost. When I moved here, I was so scared, alone, kind of like Malcolm Kaiser. But here's the thing. Everyone was. We were all alone. Why couldn't we be alone together? The answer is that one person liked how scared we were. See, she had the certainty of her convictions, and take it from me, never trust those who never question their own convictions. Wow. That's something to think about right now. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> If you are never wrong and you never question the idea that you could possibly be wrong. And not only that, your ideas are always the best and brand new. No one's ever thought of that before. <laughs> like Crestwood, who we cut to Crestwood, who says, so what does this prove? Not everyone goes to college. And who the classism and gatekeeping <laughs> right here. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Hmm. Yeah. As in the background, Mark names John someone. Uh, Murdoch says, right. Mark says Edward Skull, which got me onto a whole weird internet tangent that has nothing to do with this show. Ah, that took a while. It was fun. Briefly? Briefly. Uh, <laughs> just Googling Edward Skull, because I'm like, that's really specific. I Googled it, and I come up with Edward Mordrake, I think his name is, who was this guy who supposedly had a second face on the back of his head hmm. that would cry when he was happy and laugh when he was sad. And it was a girl's voice. He wanted people to cut it off of him. They said if they cut it off of him, he'd die. But the best thing is, related back to the show, it did circle around. 
I ended up watching an animated claymation video that someone made to a Tom Waits song called Poor Edward, which is about this guy and how sad he was. And a Tom Waits song almost got in the movie earlier, but didn't, but it did get mentioned. So I'm like, that was cool. But Edward Skull is not a reference to anything. <laughs> it might not even be Skull. It's in the background. Uh, Emerson hands Brian a folder and says, Mr. Hunter, I think you should be aware of something. After the school received the money from the government, Mark says Cosgrove in the background. Emerson continues, for every unrolled student, Mark says Jones. We get a cut to Crestwood as Emerson says, Mrs. Crestwood would then proceed uh, to weed out those she felt were undesirable. Crestwood says, nonsense. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Emerson says, in the first week of school, you flagged all the names with low SAT scores and started files on them. Why? And quickly, weird, only the top half of your students would typically be taking the SAT anyway, so that'd Mm -hmm. be a weird flagging measure. Just a movie thing. They needed something specific to mention here. It should have been, well, they could have gone with GPA. Yeah, it's weird that they are focusing specifically on SAT when I doubt Maz or some of these students she was kicking out would have even... The, well, the movie the has used SAT scores out, as a, it had the SAT countdown <laughs> early on. <clears throat> Crestwood is, stands by a record of the highest on average SAT scores. She's aiming for yeah, a specific Yeah, still for thing. her numbers, I guess. And Crestwood says, what are you doing with school property? And Brian jumps in and says, she asked you why. And in the script, he says, for extra tutoring. But in the movie, Emerson says, for extra tutoring. And Brian is now looking at the file and says, you expelled over 20 students in the first 30 days of school. And Emerson adds, and how many others did you harass into dropping out? And we get a shot of Murdoch and Deaver. And Deaver actually seems like he doesn't like this, even though he's been an active part of it. Uh, and Brian says, and you kept the expelled students' names on the rolls. That's illegal. And, you know, Crestwood has to defend this, says, the money went to the school. It was all for the good of the school. Emerson says, those kids had rights. And Crestwood says, they were losers. And Murdoch, of course, still on Crestwood's side, says, troublemakers. And Deaver turns on them and says, they're just kids. Crestwood says, I don't regret my policy. And Brian says, it's criminal and I'm suspending you. You can't do that. Oh, I think I just did. And that's when we cut to Maz with his radio over his head approaching the limo. So this is when the kids should be surrounding the limo. Here at this point of the film, we finally see an adult, well, a couple of adults, Brian Emerson, stepping in to fix the situation. But in our real lives, Everyone seems to be, well, not everyone, there's a few really awesome activists, but for the most part, people seem to be waiting on the adults to step up now as two elections have been stolen 2000 and 2016. The Supreme Court has been stolen. People tweet and post, but where is the actual uprising? Everyone's counting on an election that is already being contested with Trump and his supporters in certain state legislatures fighting against even having votes counted past election day. Kavanaugh wrote that terrible opinion that everyone's been trashing him for, saying that I don't want to misquote him, but basically we should and have a right to have the results by election night, even though when he was writing opinions in Florida, he said the exact opposite because the exact opposite (laughs) is what suited him politically then. So we just have political hacks in the Supreme Court that are highly partisan. So I don't know. I don't know if any adults are going to show up or if there's going to be an actual uprising, but it seems that a loud and angry, but definitely the minority of American 
people in terms of viewpoints, the hardcore 38% Trump base we have. How long will that hold? If you have not voted yet, make sure that you turn your ballot into a valid drop-off box or that you put on your PPE and you vote in person. Yes, because unfortunately, the few adults that did try something with impeachment earlier, was that this year? That was this year. Fucking that was 2020. <laughs> oh. I believe that was January or February. Yeah. It was right before. That didn't really end as we had all hoped. So I guess with like climate change and guns in schools and everything else, we just hope for the younger people to step up like Mark. Yay! Yeah, but that's not right. Or right? Cool. like we take the people with the least power and they're screwed down more than ever. Most people under the age of 30 can't afford to buy a home. Far fewer of them are having kids. Where are these jobs that you just go and put in 30, 40 years with a company, but they're completely screwed, but we expect them to come in and save everything? Right. That's not fair. I mean, I'm all for propping up Gen Z, and I love the Gen Z activists. I love the Parkland kids. I love Greta, Greta Thunberg. I love our own daughter. Mm-hmm. Who's <laughs> but it shouldn't be on them. They shouldn't no. be waking up to an adulthood where they have less position to get any of the benefits of the supposed American dream, and they have to do the most work at the same time to fight against everybody who fucked it up for them. But if they want to take their lead from Maz and Page here and raise their radios over their heads and climb up onto Trump's limo, <laughs> do it. I don't think the Secret Service will shoot children with radios, but maybe they will. Is this a dangerous idea or a stupid idea that you're <laughs> Exactly. There's, there's the question. Yeah. But yeah, that's what happens is, yeah, Maz raises up his radio. The script is very specific that Maz's radio is massive and Page's is small. That's not how it is in the movie. She's got the big one. Which I thought was funny. They both marched over and climbed right up onto the limo as Urban Dance Squad's Fast Lane plays. Uh, Maz climbs up on top. Paige follows. Watts looks at them out the window. And we get everyone else. Janie follows over the people that follow over there. And they start dancing to the new song, Fast Lane. And Fast Lane by Urban Dance Squad, like Datum in Jail, is a song that's in the film but not on their album. Huh. This is a Dutch rap rock band who actually only intended to play a festival together in 1986. <laughs> and then they're like, hey, this is cool. And they stayed, they stayed <laughs> together and they recorded their first album in 1989 titled Mental Floss for the Globe. And it was a pretty, pretty strong commercial success, even in the United States. If anyone's familiar with the song Deeper Shades of Soul, that hit number 21 on the Billboard chart mm. in 1989. I'm going to go listen to that song again, but it's, it sounded familiar when I was looking at the album. And then from the song itself, better, better, climb the ladder to the top, to the top, to the top, where big domes call the shots and budge, the status to super and hold the grudge, go in your way, the unfair play, obedience to what you say, hey, for your presence, they stay the hell away. A free doorway. Things are okay, no matter what they say. That's only hearsay. They choke in the smoke while you consume a J. Stay ahead of the game. Clock the games. Stay ahead of the game. Clock the dames. Gain the fame. Ready to tame. Some feel the pain. Some haul you name. Ducks stay lame while you're living in the fast lane. Nice. And we get <laughs> we get Mark and Nora dancing in the jeep. 
He's dancing more than she is. She's busy driving, keeping away from the FCC vehicles. And we get a nice crowd shot around the limo because it includes Eric, Doug, Gordon, Cheryl, Janie, and Jamie, the wedding dress girl, reporters, and Maz and Paige up on the roof dancing. So it's a whole bunch of the extras or the supporting characters together. And inside the limo, with the window closed, Watts is on his phone again and says, please get some help. And right before the segment ends, we cut to police cars speeding through an intersection we've seen a couple times in this movie. Haskell Canyon and Bouquet Canyon, which is right by the post office box place. And the script says, the police have now joined the absurd chase. I would point out they're going the wrong way to get to where the Jeep is or where the school is. Speaking of adults who don't get things done, I'm going to promote Michael Myers' minute one more time because I was thinking about it yesterday. And that's what slasher films are all about. The kids have to take care of themselves and most of them end up dead. Because the adults fuck it up. And if you want to hear more feminist commentary like my Women in Punk rant today or more about (laughs) reproductive issues and rights as it pertains to our new, well, our newly disproportionate Supreme Court. If you really enjoy light, fun topics like these to help Mm -hmm. you clean your house or, you know, whatever, (laughs) take a nice drive in the car, you can listen to Life as a Playlist, and you can follow Life as a Playlist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speak out! They can't stop you! Find your voice and use it! Keep this thing going! Pick a name! Go on the air! Your life! Take charge of it! Do it! Try it! Try anything! Fill your guts up! Say shit and fuck a million times if you want to, but you decide! Just fill the air! Steal it! Keep the air alive! Follow this show at Pump Up The Minute on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or check lemmingdrops.com for links. Talk hard! Everybody knows. Everybody knows. That's how it goes Oh, everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows